Hey, Soul Fam, you're listening to the Soul Expanded Podcast, a sacred container built to support you on your own soul expanding journey. I'm your host, Bridget Nistico, a seeker, space holder, soul coach, and shamanic energy healer who believes everyone deserves to be whole and in alignment with their life's purpose. Each episode, we will hear from fellow spiritual seekers and conscious leaders on how they've navigated their own soul-expanding journey, the highs, the lows, and the tools they use to support their path of soul expansion. Now, let's get started on this soul-expanding journey together. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Soul Expanded. Today, I have my dear friend, Tiffany Williams, with me, who I am so excited to chat with. Uh, Tiffany is an art curator, crystal and Reiki practitioner, and spiritual guide. Her background in art informs her energy work, helping to reveal the meaning of symbols of the subconscious. So Tiffany, we are just so grateful to have you today. Can't wait to hear more of your story. Thank you for being with us. I'm excited to be here and chat with you. I feel like it's just an extension of our everyday chats anyway. It is. It is. And that's what I love. And I was, you know, thinking this morning a lot about our, um, our chats, our friendship. And, um, one thing about Tiffany and I is that we've known each other for about 10 years now. And, you know, Tiff, when I look at spiritual journeys and, and as we grow and evolve as people, most of the time, a lot of the time, you your friendships shift and they change. And as you grow, the same people that you once identified with or could relate to don't always end up on that journey with you, which can be, you know, sometimes it's you're like, thank God. And sometimes it's really challenging. And one thing this morning, as I was thinking about our friendship that I love so much and I'm so grateful for is that we have both evolved and changed dramatically since we've, you know, met in college, but that, you know, and we've had ups and downs in our relationship and friendship. You know, there were times when we were not getting along or where we were challenged and we weren't as close. And I just love how now we've come together and we've been able to navigate our own journeys, but collectively too, as a friendship and stay close. And now I feel like we're just in this this complete little container where we are so aligned and where we're going and what we're doing. And I'm just so grateful that we've been able to kind of traverse those times together and still stay close friends. So thank you. It's been a journey. (laughs) (laughs) It has been a journey that is, there's no other way to put it. So um, grateful for friendship. And one thing I love about Tiffany is I always say this, you know, when I look at the beautiful things about each of my friends. Everyone is so unique. And the biggest gift, Tiffany, that I think that you bring to people through your presence is just that, your presence. You are someone that when I sit down with you, I know that you are holding space for me for whatever it is, whether it's something you might not agree with, whether it's something you can totally relate to, whether it's, you know, something that might trigger you or something that brings you joy, you allow everyone that's in your presence to be exactly who they are. And I just love that about you. And so I think that that's a very unique and rare gift that people share these days where they're just allow others to be themselves. And it's just such a beautiful thing about friendship. So just wanted to honor that uh, piece of you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I think, I think that's really nice to hear. I don't, I think now it's more popular to, and more prevalent to compliment people more freely and particularly on maybe some subtle energy that they may bring to a room. What you just pointed out, I really appreciate hearing because I think very often um, I I was hoping to hear that from people in my life, um, close friends or what have you, and just didn't. And I feel like in the past when, often when people hold space for other people and allow them to just be the person who's holding space, um, particularly in everyday life situations, like friendship, 
um, that can be overlooked and can be taken advantage of, I think. Um, it's different when you pay somebody, right? Because somebody's paying <laughs> to be right, with, right, and paying to be listened to. And so I think they appreciate it more. But I'm really happy to see that the way culture is shifting, that um, things like that, holding space for people, allowing people to be themselves is getting more recognition and, and props as something people bring to a relationship that's really valuable. Yeah, I think it's it's such a gift. It really is because a lot of times we're fighting for our own agendas or we want our voices to be heard and it, there needs to be a balance. And that's something I've really had to work through. You know, as you know, I'm a chatterbox and I get really excited. And so I've learned from watching you do that, uh, how to bring that into my everyday life in the work that I do with my clients in conversations. And it's, it's really something that I have taken sincerely to heart to try and integrate into my life as well. So watching you navigate that way and always um, be available for people to listen um, has been a tool that I've, you know, picked up from you and as an observer and, and integrated into my own life, which is ultimately what this podcast is about. It's about community and our friendships and, and the tools that we use and how do we learn from others to kind of navigate evolving as a soul and um, as a spirit and as a person, you know, engaging with others in their life. So um, I'd love to hear more about you and how you've gotten to where you are in your journey. But really, I find that often that starts, you know, back in the day in our childhood. And so I like to ask everyone, what was spirituality like for you and your upbringing and, and what did that look like um, in the early stages of your life? Um, so for me, it didn't look like what I would call spirituality now. It was more religious. Um, and if I, de I think there's definitely a distinction, whereas like we won't go into it. I won't go into it because I, I'm not the historian on that, but I will just say for me, there very much feels like a big difference. So growing up, I was raised Catholic, but I like to say Catholic light. Um, Catholic light because my mom was Catholic. She went to Catholic school and her mom my grandmother was very Catholic and had them in church every uh, Sunday for mass, every holiday, all of that. We didn't so much do that. We would go to church, but both of my parents were in the army. So until about 10, until I was about 10, we traveled a little bit. Um, I didn't travel much with my parents who were in the army, which I think is ironic. I've traveled much more since being out of the house, but um, I do have some memories of going to Catholic mass and, you know, getting confirmed because I knew it was what my mom, it would make my mom happy. Um, going to CCD and all of that to prepare. But I remember not fitting in there because I just had these questions that didn't seem very welcomed and then people didn't have answers to my questions. And I remember going through that process, I don't know if it was during or right after being confirmed, where I was talking to my mom about church or something and I said some, I said many things, I'll say the less harsh thing. Um, but I remember saying something to her like, you know, I just did this because it would make you happy. I don't really believe this. And around the same time, I, I have this vivid memory. And I think this was like the nail in the coffin for me, knowing that, the, knowing that there are so many beautiful things about Catholicism and I would never... Um, you know, try to pull anyone against something that's working for them. It just didn't work for me. But I remember going to mass one day with my mom and uh, the priest did a whole 
a whole sermon on how we should not be vain, how vanity is um, pulling us away from God. And he said something like, you should call on God more times in a day than you look in the mirror. And I think I was like 13 or something around this time. And when we left, I said, mom, what did you think about the priest giving this whole, you know, tongue lashing to us about how vain we are, but he had the biggest comb over. It just, it didn't make sense to me. Oh no. So he was looking in the mirror. (laughs) Yeah. To get it right. I mean, it swooped a couple of times around. It had to, it just was like a big, like, Oh man. And you know, her response reminded me so much of like my question, my previous questions I had about the Bible and church before that. She said something like, you know, do as he says, not as he does or something like that. Mm. And I just remember thinking like, why, why go and listen to someone who isn't practicing what they're preaching? And so it just never felt right to me. Um, it's funny though, because when I got to college, I somehow, my, my freshman year group of friends were all very religious, none of whom were Catholic. Um, they would invite me to service and I would go because I thought that was respectful, but oftentimes I would be in the service and the preacher would say something disparaging about Catholicism. And I thought, I didn't come here to hear negative things about other religions, so Um, it just, I I know it's not everyone's experience, but this was my experience where it just did not feel right to me. I didn't feel comfortable and I'm a question person. I love to ask questions. I love to know why I love to go deeper with things. And so when my questions couldn't be answered, I would say that was definitely the start of the separation and it just continued from there. Interesting. And so, you know, you mentioned the separation and we're going to get into your soul journey a little bit deeper. I'm going to ask you some questions. So, yeah. So what, you know, between then and now, because now I look at you as someone who's deeply spiritual and deeply connected in your own version of what that looks like and grounded in kind of your own knowingness of what feels right to you and what's most authentic to you. So how do you go from, you know, someone being raised and I too was raised for half of my life in the Catholic church until they you know, kicked my mom out because she divorced my abusive father. So, you know, I I can identify that. And then I ended up back in the church and then I had to find my own walk and what felt right to me. So how did you get to the point you're at now? Share with us a little bit about some of the pivotal experiences you've had over the last, you know, several years that's ended you up now to this beautiful place of wholeness with your own spirituality. Sure. Um, There are so many things like looking back now, I see so many little breadcrumbs that have led me here, even freshman year or yeah, freshman year of college. I remember um, I took this class on Asian religions and Asian medical systems with your friend, Brittany um, and randomly. And I just remember being really, struck by this other culture that I was not familiar with at all, um, had so intricately connected their body to their spirit. And I just was fascinated by that. And so I would say that was probably one of the first breadcrumbs. And by that, I knew that I did believe in something bigger. I just didn't know how to relate to it or what it was. Um, It's funny though, because even, even not participating in church anymore and then going through high school, going to college, there was something that always stuck with me, which was my mom saying that Tiffany, you really have a great gift of prayer. Like every time you pray for something, it happens. And I used to joke, well, that's because I don't pray very often. (laughs) So, 
So the numbers are low. Now it's different and I I um I I'd say I pray a lot. I think how we move through life can often be a prayer. Um so those were some of the starts and then I would say I kind of didn't think about it anymore, right? I went about my life. I kept being confronted with the question, what do you believe? Because of the relationships I would end up in. So that group of friends who were very religious, the people I dated, interestingly enough, um, half of them, you know, religious. And so I would constantly have to defend myself about what do I believe? What do I believe in? And it came to a head in one of the most the most toxic relationship I was ever in. Um, got really bad, got really dark um, and abusive. And that person was very religious, funnily enough. They had gone to seminary school, they had worked in hospice, like on paper you would think this person was very um, kind and understanding, but that didn't prove to be the case. So. Being in that relationship um, over the course of many years, just feeling like I was being like picked away at, picked away at a little bit. And then a wedge was coming between my friendships, my family, so many things happened. So I would say getting out of that relationship and just being on the other side of four years of like, where did this time go? I don't know who I am. I don't know what I like. Um, and having to come to terms with that slowly but surely helped me come to the place where I am now. So, so it was a long, like, dark night of the soul, I would say. Yeah, and I'll just share an outside perspective, which we've talked about before uh, from your experience in that, and um, knowing what I knew of you and you having this this deep connection to yourself and something else and watching you navigate this um, situation that was trying to force you to be someone you weren't. And I remember watching and just being looking like, gosh, Tiffany is so strong and beautiful on her own. But when we're in it and I've been in it too, you know, in situations like that where, you know, it's harder to see who we are to, or to get grounded in our own truth, especially when you're tied up in this, a situation or a partnership or a relationship that is trying to steer you in another direction. And, you know, you mentioned four years and, and I think you knew for a long time, this wasn't the space you wanted to be in. And I, and I think a lot of people end up in similar situations, whether it's in the workplace or in partnership or in family dynamics that they're replaying. So share with us a little bit about how did you finally break that cycle? Because I remember us having conversations where you were aware, you know, you would say to me, I know that I shouldn't be in this, or I know this is wrong and, and, and seeking help and trying to navigate out of it. And then it didn't happen for a long time after that. So what were some of the tools, like the pivotal moments in that experience that allowed you to break those cycles to a new path of, you know, soul expansion and healing for yourself? so many thoughts were flooding through my mind as you were as you were reflecting back on your witnessing of me at that time um there are a lot of tools i want to go back and say there was another there was another big moment where i had to question my spirituality that sort of played into this other relationship so prior to this relationship i had been dating someone else years before and um, ultimately we broke up and at a time when we were kind of talking about getting back together, this person suddenly died. They were in a car accident and, and passed away. This freak accident. So that I would say was probably the first time someone in my life very close to me had passed away. Like I had lost before that um, a grandparent, but 
was my grandfather and we lived far away all the time because of the army. So I wasn't really that close to that person. Um, but this previous partner of mine who passed away really kind of was my first big split open, I would say into my, my spirituality, again, asking, what do you believe? Where do you think this person's soul went? And so having to sit and deal with that was a big question for me. Um, that bled into, because it was such a profound experience for me, that bled into this toxic relationship because, you know, I'm someone who loves to talk things out with people. I like to learn about people. I share. Um, so years later, when I was sharing this experience with that person, it became a huge, you know, fighting point between us. Um, because while I was trying to find myself, figure out what I believed, like where does this person's, where is this person's spirit now? I don't know where it is. Um, what does that mean? Anyway, that caused a lot of contention in our relationship. I think because the person thought I was still in love with this previous person, which wasn't the case. And it's unfortunate that I think our society doesn't give us more time and space to reflect on big feelings that aren't romantic, particularly for men. I think he was struggling with that. The tools I use to answer your question, um, to get out of that relationship, it was a lot of self-reflection. Like, here's the thing. In my experience, being in a toxic relationship, being in, a, in an abusive relationship, emotionally, verbally, um, an incident of physical violence, the thing is, for me, I already felt like it was not a great place to be. I didn't feel like myself, but it's one of those things where it's not like it happened all at the beginning in one day, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't go on a date with someone who introduced me with, you know, slapping me in the face. That's not how this sort of thing works. It's, it's a questioning of why do you do that? Are you sure that's the way it should be done? It's a lot of questioning of you, gaslighting, um, picking fights and making up. I would say if people have more questions about that, a book I found really helpful is called The Body Keeps the Score. It talks so much about how humans relate and respond to trauma, not just violent relationships, but veterans of war, um, people who have had caregivers abuse them like it pets. It talks a lot about what actually happens to the brain and how it, how with extended periods of time of this trauma, there are chemical changes that happen in your brain that make it difficult for you to leave or separate from your abuser. So I tell, I try to tell everyone about this book because it helped me so much. It helped me to stop feeling like I was crazy. Um, initially, the thing that helped me was I have a supportive family. My mom and sister were always there for me. They felt very much like you did and even more strongly about how difficult the relationship was um, and how unhealthy it was. Ultimately, what helped was moving away. I, I got to a point where I hated my relationship, didn't feel like I had any friends, hated my job, and I just didn't like my life. So I moved <laughs> to a really small town, took a drastic pay cut just to like get away. And it was so helpful for me. And, and I remember arriving to that place finally alone, though the relationship wasn't over, thinking like, it'll be so much easier to break up now. And that was still a long process being away. And it was a lonely journey. It was a lot of finding, you know, domestic violence, text lines to talk to people. It was a lot of reading people's stories who had been in violent relationships just to see like, 
did we, you know, did we have anything similar in our story or not? Because um, I just didn't want to feel like I was the only person going through that. And I knew intellectually that I wasn't, but it can feel like, it can feel like you are, especially when the people that love you don't know how to talk to you about it. So it's just an isolating, very lonely experience. So I would say I did a lot alone. And it's just, I think by the grace of my mom and sister who stayed there for me and listened to me, even though it was really painful um, and didn't, didn't adopt the attitude well, she needs to leave him and I'll talk to her when she does that and she figures it out. I think that's a really common thing for people to do because they get frustrated and I'll just say it doesn't help. So knowing that I always had two people in my corner that really loved me that I could call if I needed to was, was just what I needed. Yeah. And, I, and we were talking about this the other day and you shared something also, um, which I found interesting that, and I experienced this when I went through recovery is, you know, people were witnessing my chaotic life and, and like me getting a DUI and all of this stuff. And my family was there and they wanted to support me, but I couldn't, it was much more challenging for me to be totally transparent about one, how I was feeling, the things I had done, what really was going on. And so when we chatted the other day, you know, you mentioned the, the hotlines that you called and the outside resources that are available. And now, you know, you're giving back and going to be supporting women to call this hotline, which I love. Um, and so you really sought, you know, yes, you mentioned your mom and your sister were there, but, you know, I'm sure there were really hard conversations and things you had to share that by seeking outside support, whether it be the hotline or a therapist or going inward and escaping and reading different books that allowed you to unfold and, and you were able to unfold because you were able to be completely real and honest and transparent, which I believe is really the foundational first step. Once, you know, in, in recovery, we say admitting, you know, admitting what's really going on. And I think having the ability to do that through those resources that you found, um, it sounds like helped you continue the unfolding process of your healing journey to get out of this and move forward with your life. Definitely. Definitely. So I would say people, but I know that not everybody has people like that in their life to help. Something that I was doing before I even left, when I look back now, I realize it was, you know, my subconscious like telling me to get help because there was a point in this situation where, you know, when I would blink my eyes closed, I would see like avalanches or I would see myself sort of splitting into two. Like I was having these visions thinking that I was crazy, but it was really my subconscious telling me like, you're in danger. You're not yourself. Like you're having to be too many people for all these people in your life. So getting away helped the people in my life helped even before i left i looked into meditation transcendental meditation um which i found helpful i started frequenting a unitarian church just to like see what that was like and that brought some comfort um i wouldn't attend regularly but it was every now and then at the time that person was trying to get me to go to church and i was like no, that's not, <laughs> that's not my thing. Um, but afterwards, after it was over, um, sometimes you need a thing to shock you, right? To, to sort of wake you up. So to question that my spirituality, like when I was younger, it was that shocking scene to me, like as a 10 year old or 30, however old I was, it was shocking to see someone tell me not to be vain when they were being so very vain in the church. It was shocking to lose someone that I had just talked to days before and then they, you know, pass away from a freak accident. It was shocking. Um, several shocking things happened in that violent relationship and it ended ultimately because of another shock being threatened with revenge porn. And it was, uh, sometimes you just can't take it right. So that happened. 
And I remember like immediately hanging up because he was like, I'm going to send this to your boss and to your parents. And, and something just snapped in me and I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to be controlled also because you have just, if I needed another example that you're a horrible person, like here it is. So I hung up the phone, called my, my mom, but it was late. And so my stepdad answered and I just told him, I was like, Hey, I just want to let you know, this person is threatening to do this. So you might get an email, just wanted to give you a heads up. And to give credit to my wonderful parents, you know, my stepdad was like, you didn't do anything wrong. I love you. If I get this email, I will delete it and we will take proper action against this person. And it just felt so comforting to be believed, to be heard and to be told like, even though you did this thing that I know was so hard for you to admit and feel, and you feel shame around it, I still love you. I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna be there for you. So after that, um, my sister asked me, this was like weeks later, she asked me, cause I was still like kind of down, scared. That was a shocking thing to go through. She asked me, you know, Tiffany, you just sound not like yourself anymore. Like, can you just tell me like 10 things you're really proud of about yourself? And Bridget, when I tell you, I could not, I had to get off the phone with her because I started crying because I didn't have anything to say. And that's just how really taken off my course I was at that point in my life. Like I was alone, <laughs> living alone for the first time, just alone with my thoughts, so broke, didn't have TV, you know, was like getting by with like a car that I would have to get jumped so often the battery would often die luckily i was in a small town i could walk to work if i needed to um but it was just it was a lot of being alone and so through that she was like she really held my feet to the fire and she was like i'm gonna call you back this evening if you don't answer me because i need to know what what the 10 things are so when i talked to her later i mean my list it makes me cry now it was like I took a shower today and I have a job. Like it was very, it was a very small basic things. And it took me a long time to sort of look at myself again the way that people that love me look at me instead of the way that person was looking at me so my family helped i started reading this book that i think has a i hate the title but it really helped me it's called calling in the one which sounds like which sounds like something you wouldn't want to be reading at that time but it's called Calling in the One. It helped me so much. It's a workbook. And when I started the book again, it was probably my third time trying to do it. It's like seven or 12 weeks or something. And it has you go through, like, what is your relationship with your mom? What is your relationship with your dad? You know, how do you feel about X? How do you feel about Y? And like really having to sit there and answer the questions took a while but i was like i don't want to feel this way anymore so i like recommitted myself to this and stuck to it and i found it really helpful to as an initial pulling me out um it was just it was just nice to see my words and my thoughts and what i felt in front of me and make some connections um so yeah that was a big important book in my life at that time Wow. <clears throat> That's a lot of, um, a lot of beautiful, beautiful vulnerability that you just shared with us. And 
the list that you have was so powerful because I look at you now and I look at your list of all the things I would know that you would have on it. And it's not that those weren't meaningful. They were meaningful things for where you were at, but just seeing your evolution from coming from that space to where you are now. And um, there's a couple of different things I want to unpack there. And um, one was, you know, you sat in a lot of darkness and you hit some bottoms. So with this situation and with this person, you know, I often say that it takes us hitting some type of bottom and having to sit in that darkness and go through and trudge through the mud to come out like this Phoenix rising to find ourselves. And it's, it's such a beautiful process, but it is painful. You know, it is so painful, but it, would you say it's so worth it? Isn't it? It's so worth it. Yes. But it is painful. It is hard. It's not, it's not a thing someone can do for you. Like I, I know since then I've told people, this is the book that helped me. It may not help you, but if you're asking what helped me, this is what it is. And people have said, well, what's the good part? What do I just need to read? And then it'll like fix my situation. And I'm like, no, that's not how this works. It's like doing the work is the thing that will fix your situation. So that book, um, Calling in the One, sounds like you're calling in someone else, but really it's about calling yourself back to yourself. I'm, I'm, I was laughing when you were talking and do you want to know why I was laughing? Yeah, because did you I just it? started it last week. <laughs> Love it. So I was sitting here listening to you laugh and I've been telling everyone about it. And the reason why is a lot of the stuff with calling in the one I've done, because part of the medicine wheel with shamanism is you're going back to childhood to identify your, like your deep, your core wounds. What are your relationships with people going, growing up? And um, a lot of the manifestation work I do with Lacey Phillips, I'm not sure if anyone's familiar with her. It's very similar. It's we need to go to the root and the core and go back really to those times in our life when these patterns started. Right. So why did, what, you know, what were the patterns for you that started from when you were a child that led you into this relationship and universe is going to keep mirroring those things to us until we can heal those wounds for everyone. And so it sounds like for you, that relationship was a culmination manifestation of that deep wounds that you probably uncovered. And we can go into that from your childhood experiences. And it's through that mirroring and through us being forced to heal through them and choose a better way to transform those patterns into our medicine, into these beautiful things that we take on as, no, these are my strengths, right? So we're not getting rid of those wounds and we're not saying they were bad. We're owning these stories, these experiences, and we're learning through them. And that's ultimately what soul transformation and soul evolution is. It's, and the mirrors keep coming, right? Like I've done so much work you know this girl and I keep having mirrors and you keep getting mirrors. And as we evolve, we'll be shown through our relationships and interactions with others or situations that present themselves in our lives, new layers to transform. And the nice thing is that once we deal with those core deep, deep wounds, it's not as painful, right? The mirrors that come are things you have to address but it's, it's more subtle and you're more aware and it's actually gets kind of fun, but I want to speak to calling in the one really quickly because guys get this book for me. Like I said, a lot of the work I've done already, but it's nice cause I'm redoing it. And for me, it's been, I'm working on, you know, a continually coming home to myself and my experience. And so I can come into a divine union and partnership, but you, you can't really do any of that until you address those layers and those issues and, and coming home to yourself as the one. So I love that you shared that resource. And I think it's hysterical that I didn't even know that was one of your biggest tools and I've been doing it and, and really sharing it with others, but you know, it definitely really good. If I could just say, um, I remember at a point in that relationship, and I will tell you when you asked me to do this podcast, I did not think I was going to be talking about that relationship so much because um, I'm so happy that it's done and over and in the past. Um, but I guess it's just the medicine. I hope someone 
someone get something out of me retelling them a story. Um, but I remember being in that situation and telling the person, I said, the things, the things you're saying you don't like about me, I really like. Like, I like those things about me. And that was a red flag that I didn't pay attention to. I didn't, it didn't have a resonance in my ear when I said it before. And I think what the book Calling in the One does, and whatever tool you find that works for you does, um, is it helps you hear and see the things you really like about yourself and have that foundation. I think prior to that relationship, I was just kind of like on autopilot, right? Like I had friends, I had a job, I was getting paid, I was having fun, you know, like hanging out in DC doing things, but I hadn't, I hadn't developed like myself in any sort of like true solid foundation, which I think a lot of people find their religion does for them. And so that's, that can be perfect for them. For me, that wasn't the case. So I had not yet done that work. So when someone came along who started to chip at um, a very unstable, ungrounded like sense of self, it was very easy to do. Um, so on the opposite, on the, on the other side of it all, I would say getting so lost, like you said, hitting a bottom, feeling so alone because leaving DC and moving to that small town to get away was the first time I'd ever lived alone. So I was living alone in a place where I only knew one person and, um, it was just a lot of time alone you know, and there's only so many episodes of Seinfeld that you can watch before you, which I watched them all, before you realize, like, I still don't feel great at the end of this, you know? Um, Like you can only avoid it, the the work you have to do is, I would just want to, that's what that means, right? There's only so many times you can check Instagram. There's only so many things you can buy, only so many Netflix things you can binge on. And you're still going to be faced with what you have to face, which it sounds like you kind of came to. And I want to talk about the other side because I look at you now and you are so embodying your true essence of yourself as a woman. And, you know, I watched you from your yoga teacher training to now being a crystal educator and energy healer and in a beautiful, beautiful relationship. So you know, share with us how after, you know, you're hitting that bottom calling in the one and you start doing the work, how did you then, you know, it's it's like you kept seeking and seeking. And as you saw new doors open and things progressed and walk us through how you're now in this beautiful space of wholeness with yourself. It sounds so great when you say it like that. It feels great. It is Um, great. It's beautiful beautiful to witness it. It's really beautiful to witness it while I'm watching you get there. Thank you walk you through, I would say, we sort of touched on this before, but it's, it's always work, right? It's, the work doesn't stop. I know people often use the example of like, okay, you can get into really great shape. And if you get to your peak, wonderful shape that you like, and then never go to the gym again, you're going to lose it, right? You can drink eight glasses of water today. And if you don't drink any more water for a week, you're, you're not hydrated, right? So it doesn't stop. It's a constant thing you have to do. Um, And I sought out community. So when I came back to DC after that year, I sought out community. I said, I remember writing in my journal, which is a practice I've had since I was little. Like I have journals from since I was 10 years old. And I remember in my journal one day writing, like, I want mystical friends. I don't really know what that meant, but I just wrote it. <laughs> I was like, I oh, that, I yeah, it's like I want, I want, I want more mystical friends. So then I started to seek out um, communities like that, and just sort of what I what I talk to people about now and like to reinforce for them, especially people coming to me who want to do work with crystals. It's such a great way to reinforce listening to yourself and listening to your intuition and valuing that. I think if I look back on the negative relationships I've had in my life, 
so much of it came down to, you know, not trusting my gut, which means you don't listen to the red flags. That's what that means. And um, valuing other people's voices and opinions over mine and what feels best for me. So it started this process of no longer doing that and saying, okay, I wrote down I want more mystical, more mystical friends. Don't feel like I have any right now, right? I think you're in a different part of your journey at that point. And I still felt very, you know, wounded. I still felt very much like a turtle with no shell, like just very like soft, vulnerable. I just wanted a space where I didn't have to explain myself to people, which I feel like can happen when you're when you're transitioning in your life around people you know, they know you as one way, or they've seen you go through a certain experience, so then they project onto you, they can, how they think you should be. I didn't want to deal with that. So I found some online communities of women who were also trying to commune with other women, uh, exploring their spirituality, and it just helped me so much so much. So yeah, seeking out community. That community at the time was called Moon Club. It's now called Radical Awakenings. Um, It shifted and changed a lot since 2017 when I, you know, got into it. Um, And then to listening to myself, like that same year, I just heard very clearly one day I'm going to do a yoga teacher training in September. I'm going to start. And I was like, where did that come from? Because I haven't been looking at yoga teacher trainings and do any even start in September. I was just very oblivious, but I just got a message. And so then I started looking and wasn't finding anything that fit, kind of like put it down for a couple of months in the summer and but kept going to yoga right i was like i want to just do things for myself so my life didn't go back to normal intentionally when i got back to dc um i didn't feel like being out i was still afraid to run into this person in the city and yeah i was still like used to being alone and now i was trying to enjoy being alone so i started going to yoga and tried a bunch of different classes, found restorative yoga at that time, and would go to class and would just cry. And it felt so good. I had a wonderful teacher. And and I remember being in yoga classes and even just her coming over and saying, I think another prop would really help you like can I offer this to you? And feeling like, oh my God, someone was paying attention to me. It feels like it's been so long. I'm being supported. So like taking those, taking those offerings and, and just allowing myself to be taken care of. It's a lot of work. It doesn't, it doesn't stop. I don't think it stops now, even though I'm so happy with where I am. But like you said, mirrors will come up where something will happen and I'll say, okay, in the past, I would have tried to do everything myself. I wouldn't have asked for help. I would have let this, you know, comment go by. I wouldn't have taken this opportunity because I didn't feel ready. And it's looking at these things regularly and saying, actually, I can't ask for help. I help people I love. People who love me want to help me. I am ready for this opportunity because the person asked me, so they saw that in me. So let me take the time to prepare and then take advantage of this opportunity. So it's a lot of things like that. And I started small, like when I got rid of my car, just asking people for rides was a huge hurdle for me because I had always been like, I don't need to ask people for help. I don't want help. And it put me in a position of having to be like, hey, can I catch a ride with you since we're going back to the same place? Was humbling, and, but then also so wonderful to hear people say, of course. Um, and so I think it's a lot of that work over and over and not giving up 
on myself and other people and allowing myself to be vulnerable, even though it hurts, even though sometimes I still feel like a turtle with no shell, just trusting it. And I think all of those things build into something, which is what you were describing, which looks like my life now. Like I feel like I have really great communities that I can go to, um, talk about spirituality, but so many good friendships have grown out of that. Friendships I had before have gotten stronger. Um, I am in a very healthy and loving relationship, which I'm really happy about. Um, yeah, my life feels really, feels really good. I, I think I like to tell people I took the long way, but I've learned so much. So there's no such thing as the long way. I feel like, you know, it takes what it takes for our soul to walk through the journey that it, that it needs to, to get where we need to be. And I think you took the courageous way because you could have easily stayed in that situation and not done the work, or you could have gotten out of it and continued watching Seinfeld and numbing out and not committing to your personal development and ended up in a similar situation. So you took the bold and the courageous way. And, and I want to honor that right now because this is not easy to do that. It's not easy to commit to your own soul journey to a place of healing. And I want to just kind of summarize for the listeners your process, because I think it's really useful for people. So, you know, you became aware and, um, and admitted that where I'm at and what I'm doing is not serving me and is not aligned with what my soul wants and what is healthy for me. And then you were faced with the darkness and you had to make a choice to walk through the darkness and walk through the pain or to sit and keep repeating the same patterns and the same situations. And you choose to, chose to heal. And so you sought you sought out resources and you asked for help, which is huge. It's huge in recovery too. You know, admitting to someone else, I need help and I need support. And that's really why I started this podcast because that is my story also, that without the support of people and my communities and my friends and me feeling safe and vulnerable enough to ask for help to get me out of those dark places, to navigate these situations, to continue to unfold, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And that's why I want to share these stories because it's a really a common theme in almost everyone's story that I know that's gone through the healing and the soul transformation process. And it sounds like as you continue to seek, you were given messages because you were seeking and universe and spirit was responding to you. So you said, the yoga teacher training came to me and out of nowhere. And it wasn't out of nowhere. It was because you were being vulnerable and you were communicating and co-creating and being open to receiving those messages, which is huge on our soul expanding journey. And as you did that universe, spirit, God, creator, whatever we want to call it, kept bringing things into your life, which was in the form of yoga, which was a wholeness piece for you. And then you had communities that kept coming in and, and other sisters of support. And then, you know, you just kept seeking and you kept getting the answers, which is ultimately kind of how it works. It's like, we take a step, we heal, universe brings in something even better. You know, would you say that's kind of reminiscent yeah, of- Yeah, I would. It's interesting while you were saying that I kept hearing the word algorithm, algorithm. So online and with, you know, Instagram or social apps, we talk about that or you hear that word a lot, right? It's the idea that if you start searching something, the algorithm will just keep giving you more of what you search for. And I think it's similar to this, you know, soul journey that you're talking about. I was seeking. I love that you phrased it that way. I don't know that I phrased it that way to myself, but that's, that's what it was. I was seeking. And not only did universe keep popping things up in front of my face, I think the universe does that all the time. It's, do we listen? Do we, do we take the next step with it? So, you know, that's listening to your inner voice, your intuition. When I just heard you're going to do yoga teacher training in September. I could have said no. I had to said, what the heck was that? I don't know. I don't know why I just thought that. 
Um, but I think it's a, it's a choice, right? You always have a choice to listen and trust, even though you don't really know what that means or how it's going to work out or can you find it or to, or to say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to follow that. I'm not going to listen to that. I don't know what that means. I, I believe you'll still be given the choice continuously until you decide to say yes. You could say no forever and your life will be one way, or you could decide to say yes one time and then have X many doors open for you again. And walk through the fear of what that saying yes to the unknown looks like. Right. And so I think, you know, it's, it's also about being, courageous and having the trust, the trust that what you're hearing and that what you're receiving, you know, you're trusting in the universe. And it's that dance that you have then as you relinquish the control and the trust to say, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to listen. I'm going to hear. And then you're met with like, whoa, that's beyond what I ever even knew that I needed or wanted. It's like this beautiful kind of dance with your soul's journey and your soul's path. And, you know, you are in such an amazing place, but you have so many other awesome things coming up that I'd love to share. And one of them is your podcast spirit material, which I cannot wait to be on. So share with us a little bit about what's coming for you and how can we find you or work with you? What are your um, social media handles? Sure. So I'm really excited about spirit material. Um, It is a podcast that I've been thinking about for a while that I think marries um, so many aspects of my experience. I think for a while I was really um, nervous if people would be turned off from my background in fashion and studying fashion and art history and and jewelry as like kind of frivolous. but I just loved it so much. So anyway, that's what I do. You introduced me as inner curator. I'm really happy um, to be that. I remember growing up wanting that to be something for so long. Now I see how it all sort of marries together. So Sphere Material is a podcast where I'll be talking about and interviewing people um, about sort of the amulets, the everyday amulets, tokens, pieces of nostalgia, that we carry with us wherever we go, right? How we imbue spirituality into material things and how it's common across cultures, how it's something we do all the time. Um, The idea came to me in a crystal workshop I was giving where I often find people say, I've never worked with crystals. I don't really know. I don't know how to work with them. What I find actually is if I reframe it and say, well, gemstones are just polished crystals and that's jewelry and if you wear jewelry then more often than not you've worked with crystals before you you might just not have known it so we explore that so i talk to people about um sort of the special tokens that they wear carry with them and then i bring in my background of art history and we sort of dive into some of the history about the objects, symbolic meaning. So I'm excited. I, if I could be a student forever, which we all can, I know I can. Um, I feel like I've cracked the code on how to do that. This is what I would do. So yeah, I'm excited. It's called Spirit Material. You can find me at online at spiritmaterial.co, C-O. And you can find me online all my social handles are t-r-w-i-n-c i like to pronounce it t-r-wink t-r-w-i-n-c on all platforms and i love to chat with people so feel free if you hear this episode and you just want to say hi and connect please please feel free to dm me and say hi Amazing. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people reaching out to you with your beautiful story. Well, thank you so much for being here today with us and sharing your story so vulnerably. And I can't wait to see what's next for you on your soul expanding journey, Tiffany. Thank you. I feel the same about you. (laughs) All right. Bye guys. 